Hello and welcome to The Vicar's Watch Dibley. The podcast where three priests link our stories with those of a Reverend Geraldine Granger and other TV vicars. I'm Kate. I'm Jenny. And I'm Ruthie. This episode we are talking about season one, episode four, The Window and the Weather. This week we'll be discussing fundraising, death and flirting. That classic combination. everyone and welcome to our fourth episode. This episode we're going to be talking about the fourth episode of A Vicar of Dibley, The Window and the Weather, which feels really mm-hmm. apt for when we're recording it, which is just coming towards the end of a whole number of storms. Ah. The great storm. The great storm. <laughs> and it's a great, a great snow over here as well, so... Oh, that was the great frost! <laughs> So true. So, how have we all been this week? I have a little bit of a cold coming on. My voice is a little bit huskier today, which um, hopefully isn't going to be a problem. And yeah, my back's been a bit bad, but it's starting to get better. How about you, Ruthie? Um, I'm really good. Do you know what? I did a funeral this morning and I worked out just before I did the funeral that it's probably been about three years since I've done a funeral, which is a very long time. So I was on maternity leave and then we all had lockdown and everything like that when I come back to work and I had a quite big project that I wasn't doing and then I changed jobs. So it was really, really nice, actually. I really like doing funerals, which sounds very morbid, but yeah, it's been a good morning. How about you, Jenny? Good. Yeah, I'm good too. I had um, a big wedding preparation event morning on Saturday last week where all the couples getting married in our church, of which there are 12 this year, got together. Well, most of them did. We had about nine of our 12 couples. Um, So this week has just been like furiously trying to catch up with wedding admin and just, yeah, getting in touch with our lovely couples, making preparations for them for all the weddings this year. So I just feel like Mrs. Weddings. But uh, yeah, it's been a good week. Thank you. (laughs) Is that wedding admin for your wedding or for everyone else's wedding? Do you know what? I have to, well, both. But the weirdest thing ever was filling out my and my fiancé's like wedding form. It's like a, you know, welcome to the Church of England. We're so excited you're going to get married. (laughs) Give us all your details. And I was like, I've never filled this out for me. It was really, I like had the biggest (laughs) smile on my face while I was doing it. Um, But yeah, for all our other couples as well. So yeah, a bit of an unusual year this year for me, I guess, being both vicar and bride to be. Oh, wonderful. Thank you. Well, I believe this week it's my turn to do uh, I'm a vicar and phrase. So, I'm a vicar and the other day I went bra shopping in my (gasps) dog collar. Whoa, I have never done that before. Haven't you? No, it is is very, very worth it. Mm. You should do it because... The amount of stares you get from people who just are like, oh my goodness, I'm seeing the vicars and mentionables um, is, is amazing. And pause for quite a long time around the really sexy, really lacy yeah. brows. Oh, you and, wouldn't. Uh, oh, absolutely. Even if you're not there to buy it, even if you're there for a boring t-shirt bra, I can highly recommend it. I love that. As an amusing thing uh, to go and do. Um, yeah. It does depend what shop you're going into, though. I mean, at Marks and Spencer, <laughs> I think you're, you're not going to get too big a reaction if you're wandering around 
Barney True. Barra in Marks and Spencer. For Vicky goes into Anne Summers. <laughs> uh, I have to. I've not been to Anne Summers in my dog collar. <laughs> I have been in Anne Summers, but I haven't dared go in my dog collar. Maybe I should do that next. I have to say, my favourite bra retailer, I've never been in, in my dog collar. I, I feel like that's one step too far. And usually I shop on my day off anyway, lol. But um, I have had to give over my address, which includes the title, mm. like, The Vicarage at the top of it. And the Amazing. last time I did this, I, I, it did scar me slightly, is the lady looked and then she smiled and was like, oh, and then, like, carried on. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and it was, and I, I'm normally really good at, like, owning these things, but it's just that one mm. time and I was just a bit like, yeah. And it was fine because it was, you know, just one of those normal things. But oh, I'm not sure if I'm brave enough to do that in a dog collar, but I don't see why now I'm thinking about it. I need to get well, braver. Except maybe what we don't want is people trying to imagine what we have on under the cassock. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that is true. true. But it, you do it hear some stories, though. Great fun. I wonder if we so, should press on from this delicate, delicate yes. area. <laughs> <laughs> Just make sure you have good support for your delicate areas. Amen. Moving on from brass, we're going to go <laughs> on to actually talking about the episode, which is called The Window and the Weather. And the book has this script, so we are back yes. to our sacred text. Um, not the Bible, but the Vicar of Dibley script book. And we're going to head over to Dibley. It was a dark and stormy night. Indeed. A very stormy and night. We kick off with the parish council meeting. In this meeting of the parish council we have a very familiar conversation to all three of us where mm. we have a group of people comparing great storms and <laughs> the, the, the mild storm and the great frost and the great wind <laughs> and all of these different things that are discussed. And I think we've all heard conversations like this before. Yes. Oh, definitely. Especially in small communities and the way things are remembered and they say, oh, so-and-so got blown over or... X fence landed in so and so's field, and yeah, definitely. Villagers hold on to their, um, yeah, their historical memories of wild weather. Mm. I don't think it is important in one way, but yeah, it was very familiar. <laughs> Loved it. Also reminds me a lot of the Four Yorkshiremen sketch. Yes, yeah. That wasn't a storm. The great storm yeah. was when I were a lad. And <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, we had to shelter, yeah. shelter in a cardboard box (laughs) (laughs) forgive me but i'm not familiar with this sketch tell me more (gasps) oh it's monty python Python. oh i'm not cool enough oh okay (laughs) i'll talk to youtube then later so we've had loads of storms this week have Mm. any of you have either of you had meetings that you had to go to this week yeah Uh, not in person yeah no because that's for benefit of now is when there's a great storm we can have our meetings online now well that's true unless your internet goes down because the cables have gone down or whatever it might be oh i mean if a meeting gets too boring oh i'm so sorry my internet's about (laughs) it (laughs) 
Vicar has left. I did feel um, a little bit bad actually because it was stormy one night this week and I had a meeting at my house. Like at the vicarage tends to be my, mm. the, you know, the place that we meet. So I did feel bad because I opened the door and like there was a few of my parishioners like huddled up in massive coats <laughs> with like rain pelting them at the back, like come on in, come on in. And then sending them out a couple of hours later, I did feel bad. But um, but yeah, no, online yeah. online meetings still the all the rage, aren't they? Uh, so they're all meeting up together and they've got apologies from the vicar and hugo who who can't attend <laughs> and on the agenda they're talking about donating money to the earthquake appeal mm-hmm. in south america and they decide that a tenor's <laughs> a starting point for how much money to give they, they do increase it to 11 pounds <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah bit more generous <laughs> Um, and of course, they're also comparing the storms that they're having in Dibley and the earthquake, which is in South America. Mm. And um, it's an interesting contrast. And you see their concern for local concern, which is much more real for them, which I think we find is very, that's very common um, in mm. fundraising, in giving to charity. And actually, I think we get a really good insight into David's character here. And how he isn't this great, evil, uncompassionate, immoral figure. Because he actually, he makes this comment about worrying over the thatched cottages which will catch fire in the storm. Mm. Which actually shows quite an interest in looking after the people and the properties in the village. Yeah, I think that's true. David is very village-minded isn't Mm. he he's all about kind of reputation and how the village is seen and so i think should something disastrous happen in the village david's far Mm. more likely to step in and and do something about it and so from the parish council meeting we head over to the vicarage and geraldine's just wrapped up in a sleeping bag (laughs) so is this straight from the parish council meeting has she just given her apologies because she just doesn't fancy going and she's in a sleeping bag yeah or is this a different day i'm guessing it's the same day like she's doing exactly what i would do if i didn't feel like i could go out or just what i do every day actually curl up on the sofa heated blanket um though you know i used one as a student it used to be a sleeping bag TV on, hot drink. Living the dream. You're now living the bougie <laughs> lifestyle of having a heated blanket instead of a sleeping it bag. It is good for my joints. <laughs> I love that. But of course she doesn't get to be there and snuggle up for long, does she, before the day, uh, before the doorbell goes? Yes, yeah. and she hops in her sleeping bag <laughs> and it's Alice at the door who's just coming to check that the vicar isn't frightened. <laughs> so cute! <laughs> Alice, bless her, is quite clearly terrified mm. of the storm, and so Jerry invites her in. Oh, may have a cuddle on the sofa, and then we sing. And <laughs> yeah. oh, Alice is singing again. It's just so adorable that she's so. She says, oh, "I always remember the words," yeah. and she doesn't. But it's she has a, a clue. She has a good go. Snowdrops yeah. on roses and noses on kittens. Da 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 dee da 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 mittens. <laughs> and yeah, bless her, she, she doesn't get anything in the right order, but never mind. And then power cuts, and suddenly Hugo is there. And what on earth, Hugo, just creeping into the vicarage in the dark? <laughs> yeah, that's uh, not yeah, ideal. Someone not needs ideal. a word with Hugo. <laughs> 
Oh, yeah, gosh. I would be absolutely terrified if anyone was suddenly in my vicarage lounge, especially with a torch on their face as well. That's like oh, no. the classic pose for telling ghost stories around a campfire. Um, <laughs> but to be honest, once he's there, even I feel a bit more safer in the storm of that episode. He he so, he always brings, I think, Hugo, such a lightness and such a joy to like whatever scene yeah. he's in. Um, mm. Although I have to say, his little song makes me laugh my head off because normally one of the characters will suddenly <laughs> interrupt whatever the word mm. is or they will yes. sabotage mm. it. But this is the first time no sabotage takes place. Yeah. David, sorry, Hugo sings his full song and he includes even the word and the theme that is supposed to mm. be, you know, a bit too cheeky. And it's hilarious. <laughs> I think it works so well. I remember watching this for the first time when I was younger and finding this incredibly naughty and cheeky <laughs> and like oh goodness they they said they said a word that rhymes with stick <laughs> well I'm wondering like for our beloved listeners who might not have watched the window in the weather recently do you think we should sing this song together <laughs> is that too much yes should absolutely but uh, we we probably ought to come with a different word for the end of the. Is is the... is that word one that we can't say? I don't know actually. We said testicles we... and breasts in the last episode, and sexy <laughs> quite a lot <laughs> in episode I mean, two. Should we give it a go? Should we give it? We a were go? being anatomically correct. Yeah, that is true. When it's cold and stormy, and you're, and you're feeling, feeling a little sick. sick. Cuddle up nice and warm me And play with your little stick. So if you weren't quite sure what the song was, then there we go. Yeah. Um, Did you, when when you were listening to this, I honestly was expecting two alternative punchlines. Obviously, I've watched the episode before, but Mm. either I thought it was going to be revealed that Dick was the name of Richard the Teddy Bear, Oh, nice, yeah. Mm. Or, and and that would be a subversion of we normally expect the song to be interrupted before yes. the word is yeah. said. Um, and I thought the punchline was going to be, actually, it wasn't It wasn't a naughty word, it was the name Dick. Um, yeah. Uh. And, um, or that we were having a massive insight into David... And his wife actually herself being a little bit raunchy, a little <laughs> bit um, raising Hugo to be sex positive, maybe a bit more of a hippie, and like oh that was going God. to be the kind of, and that's why he, that's why David is so cautious of Alice because he can see Hugo's attraction for Alice in his own attraction for his assumedly deceased wife. Well, yeah, they never cover that, do they? Do you know what? I have never before made the connection that Hugo's mum was David's wife. (laughs) That's so ridiculous. But when he says, oh, yeah, a song that my mum taught me, I was just like, oh, yeah, just, you know, his mum, we never get to meet her. But then now I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, because David's his dad. And now it's like a whole, whole full picture and it's freaking me out. Except... I mean, we're assuming that she's a wife. Um, and she didn't was wife, teach for But I suspect from the kind of uh, culture and context that David and Hugo's mum were married at mm. some point. And actually, it wasn't Hugo's mum who sang the song. So that no, was a it was some bloke at school in the end. Yeah, phew. Mm. <laughs> Disappointing, really. Luckily, though, the three of them survive the stormy, stormy weather. 
And the next day, Jerry goes out to go and do her rounds around the church to make sure that everything's okay and in place and to check that there's no big damage to the church, which I imagine you guys with your churches may have been doing a little bit of this at the moment. Just a little. Mm, yeah, definitely. walked around all my churchyards um, on Tuesday and just uh, was a little bit overwhelmed by the amount of cleaning up that's going to have to happen, but couldn't really be done because there were still storms to come. Um, oh, someone handed me, someone came to see me today and just handed me um, a grave marker that had been blown across the churchyard. Oh, so no. now I've got to go and hunt, hunt for where that belongs. So that's going to oh, be dear. fun. But no damage to my churches as far as I know. Yeah. How about you, Jenny? Is your church all right? Yeah, we've been so lucky, actually. Though We've had no damage. Unfortunately, we have got a bit of a leak situation internally, but that's been going mm. on for a few months now, being investigated. <laughs> it's always something. But what this scene is like, I, I so know <laughs> that feeling now of like creeping around the church, sort of with that... Emoji face on, thinking, is everything all right? Is everything all right? Geraldine praises the Lord because everything looks amazing. Mm. And then there's like a horrible, like, heart sinking moment where she obviously goes into the church and there's a tree right yeah. through the window. Lucky oh, enough to gosh. never experience that, but oh, that must mm. be such a heart sinking moment. Yeah. yeah. There was a video doing the rounds on Twitter recently of um, the spire of a church that just fell off. Yeah. And I just thought, oh, that poor. <gasps> Vicar, whoever they are of that place, and just the the nightmare that it's going to be to get everything oh. fixed and sorted, and yeah, yeah, you just see it wobble and fall down and think. Oh, oh. my goodness! Although at least yeah, it didn't actually land on the roof. I believe it landed uh, oh. just by the side of the church and not on any gravestones from the looks of it. Oh, which, that's good. Um, Ooh, or any people, gosh. Or any, yeah, definitely not any. <laughs> that would be terrible, wouldn't it? <laughs> that sounds a bit midsummer murders, it does, doesn't it? In fact, yeah. or I'm, hot I'm fairly certain there's been deaths <laughs> in midsummer murders where someone's pushed something off the church roof. Definitely in hot fuzz. <laughs> Um, oh yes oh gosh oh yeah. I hate that scene in Hot Fuzz but <laughs> I, I suppose it reveals that I was thinking about gravestones because um, I do have five open churchyards and it has been <gasps> a learning experience so five open graveyards Kate that is a lot it's one of the things that we were kind of told at theological college if you can avoid going to a church yeah. with an open graveyard to avoid it because there's lots of kind of lists and demands mm -hmm. and rules that you've got to follow with an open graveyard. Can you explain a bit about that? Yes. So the way that burial sites in the UK work is that certain permissions are extended by the commissioner. Um, so it's a joint work between the incumbent of a parish, the vicar, the funeral directors and the stonemasons and each of us have different powers extended to us about what we need to sign off on. Um, and clergy in particular, the powers that we're given are we sign off on the style and design of the monuments, that's the gravestones, to see make sure that they are in keeping with the space and that they comply with regulations because did you know that gravestones have regulations for what they can and can't look like and um 
unfortunately, it's a really difficult task because you want to say yes yeah. to people who are grieving and when you've got an open churchyard as well, that means you're accepting m- more burials, you still have space, but there are still restrictions on... Um, how people can be buried and where they can be buried and um yeah. and whether we dig to double depth or not or um whether you can reserve a space um you can you can apply for a faculty but reservations last for 25 years and cost 300 pounds minimum um there's a whole load of legal things and it's a little bit of a nightmare but at the same time it's lovely to be able to work with families and to um lay people to rest um, in our beautiful churchyards. So to kind of summarise then, there are, there are really specific rules about church graveyards that we have to follow, uh, mm. including design of uh, graves and that kind of thing. And there's a whole mm. load of legalities to do with that, but in a more, uh, in a different context. So uh, a council-owned cemetery, mm the rules are different there. So that's why when you go into church graveyards, a lot of graves will look very similar mm. because we have to stick to certain rules. And if you go into a, a different kind of cemetery, you'll see lots of different styles of graves because the rules are different there. Yeah. Yes. And um, and that actually, the decision about what is actually allowed isn't necessarily coming from the vicar. The vicar is just saying this complies mm. to the guidelines which I've been given. Mm. Um, and it is the most horrible thing to have to tell a family that they can't have what they want. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of what you want with funerals and, and graves and that kind of... Have you guys thought about what you would like when you die? Do you <gasps> want to be cremated? Do you want to be buried? Mm. Do you want to be Viking longship? <laughs> <laughs> It's because Jerry I'm... says she wants to be cremated and put in a in a pot, doesn't she? Yeah, on a mum's mantelpiece. <laughs> well, I think for me, I've always had... Um, I think I prefer to be buried than cremated. I think that's one thing. But I do know that for my funeral service, like I, although I know it will be a potentially a sad time for people, because you do, of course, miss your loved ones when they die. You can't hug them and talk to them about new things. Um, although you can always talk to people in your hearts. In fact, I still do talk to my loved ones that have died. But um, I really want my funeral to be a celebration of life. And I want it to be like, yes, mm. Jenny is finally with God. It's like she's finally, yeah. she finally is face to face with the one who all her life she spent talking about and thinking about. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm, I really wanted yeah. to reflect that. Um, I don't know about a conga or something, but I don't know, maybe not that far, <laughs> but definitely, definitely a time of like, yeah, following the coffin mm. out in a conga. <laughs> maybe not that far. I don't know, maybe yeah. though. I, I need to write a plan. I haven't done that. Have you? Have either of you written a funeral plan? Um, I haven't. I do know more of an idea of what I want. I want to be cremated rather than um, buried. I mean, I want my ashes to be interred in a churchyard um, and probably mm. with... One thing I've seen in one of my churchyards, someone, instead of, like, a full stone, just has, like, a place marker slate. And I quite like that, rather than... Because monuments are so expensive. Perhaps having an open churchyard, I know how expensive it all is. And I'd prefer Mm. just a little marker. Nothing big, nothing too grand. Um, I don't want too much money spent on my burial, because I'm not there, it doesn't matter for me. Maybe my loved ones, if they want something a bit more. Um, But... I'm gone by that point. I'm with Jesus. I don't care, really, for mm. me. Mm. Um, 
In terms of my funeral, I think I do want to have it fairly happy, celebratory, because I am with God. But at the same time, I think funerals are more for the mourners than they yeah. are for the deceased person. So if my family, whoever's mourning me, want to express their grief, want to lament, particularly if I were to die you know, young, or if I were to go in a quite violent or tragic way... I want to give them that opportunity, but maybe oh, I might yeah. I might just leave some of my orders of service with some of the special prayers that I that I use and say, please, yeah. can you use these prayers, please? Because I like yeah. them. I like that. <laughs> I think that is the helpful thing, isn't it? I mean, for families that are grieving, having notes and clear instructions from their loved ones about what they yes. want mm. is definitely helpful. I mean, you can't always guarantee um, that the family will have the same wishes but at least if you know you follow yeah. the instructions of the loved one that's passed on you're like well at least we know that that's exactly mm-hmm. what they would have wanted and it is a service that reflects them which i think is so important um but ruthie how about you i mean mm-hmm. caitlin said she wants something a humble grave marker for you in my head i've got this absolutely mu- like bright white marble plinth of you with like <laughs> a, a fist of glory I want to parade, your float. beautiful curly hair <laughs> flowing in the wind please don't t- change my to change my mind. Um, it's really interesting, isn't it? Because I'm not that fussed of being in a churchyard necessarily. I think I'm very much of the mind of, you know, I'm gone. I'm in a, I'm in a different place. Um, you know, just scatter my ashes somewhere interesting. Um, I always thought I would go for being um, cremated. But did you see about uh, Archbishop Tutu when he died, uh, had an aqua cremation i don't know if that was the word oh. but it was basically like a cremation but with water that's more eco-friendly yeah um and so something like that is is tempting if that becomes a bigger mm-hmm. thing here i think mm-hmm. i just want to go in the most eco-friendly way possible so whether yeah. that's me becoming a tree or something like oh, that oh yeah you mm. can get um, coffins made of cardboard, yeah, which I think is really, really cool. Um, and I'd quite like something like that to go in the most eco-friendly way possible. And like you guys, I um, would prefer it to be a celebration of life um, and all the amazing things that I've done mm. over my life. But <laughs> as that. you both have said, mm. the funeral, it's not about me in so many ways. Yeah. Um, it's about those who are there to mourn and who are there to grieve. And so that funeral plan stuff you were saying, Jenny, I think is so right and so helpful um, that you've got the stuff written Mm -hmm. down. But I think over the course of the pandemic especially, people who've been mourning have felt really guilty and really held on Mm. to the fact that they haven't done a proper funeral because Mm. this was the list of things that... Um, their loved one wanted and these are the oh. hymns they wanted to sing and all this kind of stuff and so they people are feeling that they haven't given their loved ones a proper send-off oh, that's so and hard. That, yeah yeah and and it's making people feel like maybe they've not gone to heaven properly oh or all that kind of thing and oh, and, no. and that's it, that's not true i mean god's so much bigger than that mm. but we're gonna have so much grief that we need to deal with as a as a nation because we've not been able to do mourning well for the last two years. Yeah, and dear listener, um, what we would like you to take away from this, I think, Mm. is something that I always say, actually really just about the parish, if I'm talking about how I've been doing funerals, 
I always emphasise how important it is to leave, if you have specific wishes, to make sure that they're known because it makes it so much easier for your loved yeah. ones as they're planning your service, if they know what you want. It, especially if there is the remotest possibility of a family dispute, actually making yeah. it really clear what you would like to happen um, with your remains, at your service. It is important to just leave a bit of a message, even if it's just a short list of bullet points. That's what my granddad did. It made life easier. What readings you would like. So we've talked a lot about funerals. <laughs> and, our and I think yes. our main message here is have a think. Don't be afraid to talk about death. Actually, yeah. it's a really important thing to do and talk about what you would like as part of a funeral um, because it will all happen to us mm. someday. Uh, and we, in this episode, we've had the death of a tree that's gone oh, through a window. And indeed. so the crisis meeting of the Dibley Parish Council uh, comes together. It's like Cobra for Dibley to talk about what we're going to do about the stained glass window. Is it the Parish Council or is it the PCC? Because... <laughs> Not this again. <laughs> Not this again, but the... Um, Damage to the church property and any decisions about what is what needs to be done to do repairs to the church are the realm of the PCC. The parish council doesn't really actually have any power. They can offer advice or ideas, but it's the parochial church council that has the authority and the legal responsibility to make those decisions so what is this body i'm so confused okay, i'm so confused you, it makes you me make so this, stressed you make this podcast like not only entertaining and fun but also a learning a learning journey <laughs> a, a, learning. Learning. <laughs> a learning journey i, I just I, my, I can only resolve that this must be like a merged body and like it is both the parish council yeah. and the PCC, um, and let's not get started on faculty applications. Oh gosh, please no! But because that oh, makes gosh. sense, because Dibley is so small, I suppose, doesn't it? But they've mm, got the right people. Yeah. What we can gather is they have the right people in the right room to talk about what on earth the stained glass that smashed was. <laughs> <laughs> so they're, they're trying to work out what design they're going to have, and. Mm. Uh, <laughs> Cherry, I think lots of vicars uh, will em uh, empathise with this particular bit mm. where Jerry's like, what about this different new design? And everyone's oh, yeah. like, oh, yeah, that's interesting. And then Mrs Cropley's like, I like the old one. <laughs> and everyone's like, yeah, we want the old one. Yeah. Uh, but they can't mm. quite remember what the old design was. No, so we go on a bit of a journey, don't we? We start <laughs> off with um, feeding with 5,000. Uh, yep. But then, no, that can't be Jesus, it must be Moses, if it's Moses feeding the 5,000. Um, but, oh, no, he's carrying something, so maybe it's um, Moses carrying the commandments for, well, it's St Barnabas Church, so maybe it's Moses carrying the commandments for St Barnabas. Um, but then, actually, maybe Moses is a librarian. Um, <laughs> so it's St Barnabas St. borrowing Barnabas. a book from the library in Wolverhampton. <laughs> um or no, actually, I didn't think they were people. I think it was sheep. So maybe it was Jesus and the feeding of 5,000 sheep. But didn't we agree that Jesus was Moses? So it's Moses and the feeding of a 5,000 sheep. You've captured that so well. <laughs> just, just brilliant. Um, and as I was watching this, I was thinking they should be able to know, even if they haven't got a photo and no one can remember, they should be able to know what the stained glass 
window was, which they do eventually find out. Mm-hmm. Yes, because actually... Now, I'm going to preface this with... Um, I think I'm coming across on this podcast as like a bit of a law- uh, rules lawyer in that um, <laughs> I adhere like completely to the rules because I talk about them a lot. Actually, I'm interested in the rules and I know them um, so that I can decide whether or not I think they're right and whether or not I disagree with them. Um, I prefer to know the rules so I know if I'm breaking them or not um, so I can cover my back and uh, not get in in trouble. Um, There's a thing which I learnt um, when we had the quinquennial inspection, that's a five-year inspection, uh, with the Archdeacon of one of my churches. It's called the Terrier. Not the dog. Um, but it's like an inventory of all the valuables mm. in the church. Of the architecture, of any relevant pieces of art, everything. Registers. And one of the things that goes in the Terrier is descriptions of your stained glass windows. Oh, so they be- they should have had okay. the documentation then to say exactly what it was. However, some... Oh. Some people do um, misplace their terriers Mm. um, and it could well be that uh, Reverend Pottle um, might not have had his terrier up to date or easily accessible. Mm. Well, yeah. (laughs) Oh dear. So they they decide to look through the records, didn't they, Mm -hmm. uh, to find out... um, what the stained glass design was and i i really love stained glass i think stained glass is really really interesting Mm. and i used to live in paris and there is a building there uh, a church building there called saint chapelle and the essentially the walls of it upstairs are all stained glass (gasps) and they tell the entire story Mm. of the bible and then some stories of how uh, relics were found and things like that. And when you're there on a sunny day and the light just shines through, oh, it sparkles everywhere and it's beautiful. And it's that's the history of what stained glass was for, wasn't it? It was supposed mm, to tell yes. those Bible stories um, for, those, for a congregation who were mostly illiterate and so couldn't yeah. read the text or it was in the wrong language for them. Mm-hmm. But actually... You know, the priest could point to the windows and the mm. those could people could see the windows and learn a bit of the story. And so there's mm. loads of different hidden symbols in in stained glass windows. I remember at your church, Jenny, we went and had a look at one of your windows and we were trying to decipher who everyone was. Can you remember? Yeah, absolutely. I love that game. We do we play that game with um like children or families or even like wedding couples, like anyone who comes into church. It's lovely to look around. Although I have to say, like, my favourite stained glass at my church at the moment in my village is um, year three of our local primary school have recently, uh, they do, I think it's like the life and teaching of Jesus as a module. And they've Mm. created tiny little panels of, like, coloured in, almost like tracing paper um, about what they've learned about Jesus or the Christian faith. Mm. And um, so we've got this kind of porch in our church that was built um to commemorate the end of world war ii and it's glass panels all around the edge mm. and on one side we've put up all the year three's little mini stained glass windows it's oh. so cute i'll have to send you a picture it's amazing yeah do. yeah i'll try and put it on the on our public facing site so you can see it too dear listener mm. but yeah it's like my favorite stained glass at the moment for sure 
Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Do you have a favourite stained glass window, Kate? I am spoiled for beautiful stained glass um, in my group of parishes. Um, I can't not mention one of my churches has some historic medieval stained glass, which is um, quite well known and it is beautiful. Mm. But then I also have um, another one of my churches has windows which has just loads of women in them. And I oh, really love that. Yeah, we've got one of those. Um, yeah, Lady Chapel window. In one, in another of my churches, in the vestry, the stained glass has some fantastic and quite funny uh, depictions of the gospel writers and the animals that symbolise them, oh, which always oh, makes me cool. laugh as well. And another one um, has a really rare um, depiction of Saint Michael, where the dragon is an unusual colour for Saint Ooh. Michael. Um, what colour is it? Oh, don't ask me off the top of my head. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I was hoping you were going to say, like, it's leopard print. No, oh, no, it, it's Rainbow like, dragon. it's... Rainbow it, dragon. It's, like, it's red and St Michael's dragon isn't normally red or it's, bla- or it's black and red or it's usually one colour but it's, like, two colours. Um, okay. Anyway, very interesting for me. Um, I love it. Um, but there's loads of different types of stained glass. There's, uh, in, in, in the world, some of my other churches had some really beautiful modern contemporary stuff. Um, but I actually think my favourite stained glass was in the chapel at Cranmer Hall where we all trained. And it was um, repieced together from broken stained glass from other windows. Oh, yeah, and I just really that. liked that imagery. Yeah. What's about you, Ruthie? So I moved to South Yorkshire um, just over a year ago and I went and visited Sheffield Cathedral. And they've got this really interesting, it's called The Lantern. And it's on the top of the roof and there's this amazing panel glass there. So again, if you um, are there on a sunny day, the light just dances around on the floor. And I think that's really, really cool, just playing with light and colour. But I yeah. mean, it's got to be Saint-Chapelle. Um, <laughs> it's, it's got one of my favourite stories, which is in the Apocrypha, uh, which is uh, additional text to the Bible, where there's Judith who uh, cuts off the head of a king and it's gruesome and amazing, Ooh. and you just like go, girl. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. So they're trying to work out what the image was on this window, and uh, Jim very helpfully pulls out a picture from his wallet uh, that he thinks might help. <laughs> oh. And yes. he passes it to David, <laughs> and David's face at this point is just amazing. <laughs> he raises mm. his eyebrows. Turns out it's a picture of Jim's dog. But he thought. That the dog was looking at the church <laughs> and that you might see just the hint of a reflection in his eye of the stained glass. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. It's so sweet. <laughs> so they try that, but then they come up with a better plan mm. and Frank goes through the old records in order to find out what the image is. And a week later, mm. we're back with the parish council and we discover that it's... Noah's Ark! Yes, Noah's not Ark. Jesus delivering the Sermon of a Mount on a boat surrounded by a sheep. And a librarian. <laughs> and a librarian. <laughs> it's oh. Noah's Ark, and they discover that in order to fix the window, it's going to cost them about £11,000, to which Owen says, bugger me, you can get someone killed for that. <laughs> Stained glass is very expensive. To yes. put in, to design, to commission, and to maintain. 
all of yes all of those things so they decide that they're going to have to do a bit of fundraising but they don't want the thermometer on the side of the church Mm. that's just slowly going to be filled up and they come up with some other ideas for fundraising shout out to jerry's fantastic quote which um i believe circles the internet in gif form which says can't is not in the christian vocabulary when jesus wanted to walk across the lake they didn't say jesus you can't walk on water you'll get your dress wet no they didn't (laughs) to which owen says you can't commit adultery (laughs) can't kill people you can't covet mm. your neighbour's ass. Even, even if, if it is, is very alluring. <laughs> yes, thank you, Jim. Sorry. <laughs> it's so good. This is, do you know what I have to say? Overall, zooming out, um, looking at this entire episode, mm. I think this may be one of my favourite episodes across all of the series and all of the extras. Really? Yeah, for me, there is back-to-back banter here. Um, and it's it's just, it's classic, like, rural village ministry but I feel like all the characters really come to life. I just think there are so many like one-liners that, yeah, just I love this episode. So they're coming up with ideas for fundraising, and I think all of us recognise this as well, that it feels like quite a lot of church life is involved in raising money and to, uh, discussions about money and things like that. And um, Jerry raises this point about what's the purpose of a church and what's it supposed to be there for? Um, and I hope it's not just there to raise money for various different mm. things, but that is something mm. that they need to do for this particular moment for the window. Indeed. Yeah, and I mean, fundraising is such a difficult topic because the reality of churches is they're historic buildings and um, clergy are also expensive. Um, as much as we'd love to be able to do it for free, um, we do need to be able to live um and unfortunately most churches do struggle for finances so fundraising is just part of the day-to-day life of churches definitely i do feel sorry for this parish though because i guess not only are they you know they've got enough money to have a vicar who works solely just at that Mm. church they've also got to raise their parish share whatever that might be and now on top of that they've also got to replace like an urgent replace of this window as well so i'm thinking Mm. oh my goodness if this was in my context um yeah it'd be a huge extra financial burden it's like an addition to all the usual kind of fundraising or giving that needs to happen naturally in a parish but then there, there is something about how um the church is the community asset i think particularly mm. in villages um and how people really do love the building even if they don't come to church people are really invested in um keeping the building alive yeah. and open and accessible because people want to have baptisms weddings and funerals in their church because their family has through generations and they want that to continue definitely yeah, yeah. And so Jerry says this, I want our church to be a church, not an enormous church-shaped begging bowl. And David says, and I want Princess Anne to knock on the door and say, I've done that ugly book, Tim Lawrence. I'm all yours, big boy. And he gets so embarrassed. It's so cute. I've I've said it already. I think David shines in this episode. You just see his soft side and his vulnerable side and his caring side. So David accidentally admits to having a crush on Princess Anne and then we have a 
rather startling uh, admission from Frank as well. Yes, well, I kind of, it's a slightly, uh, it's a bantery then moment from Owen about um, fancying, I guess, older women of a certain social group. Um, And he talks about, obviously, Princess Anne, but then mentions Margaret Beckett. And then Frank says he's got a bit of a crush on Margaret Beck on Margaret Beckett that he fancies her, which um, given in a later episode Frank comes out as gay, it's an interesting choice of beard. <laughs> Do you think the scriptwriters decided that they were gonna um, have Frank as gay at that point, or mm. um, is this like a Luke Leia kissing thing? that they've gone, oh, I mean, I'm not going to describe it as that. Well, sexuality is more fluid and it could be that um, in a very distant way and I, I think particularly if you are on the asexual spectrum, you know that you can fancy someone without being sexually attracted to someone. So maybe um, Frank appreciates Margaret Beckett and would like to get to know her more and spend time with her um, in a non-sexual way. But he says he fancies her. Maybe he fancies both men and ladies. Maybe we're just reading too much. <laughs> I think we are. Should we, should we, should we keep going? Yeah. <laughs> so they've come up with a series of different ways that they can fundraise and then we cut to the vicarage where Alice turns up to the door with her piggy bank and uh, a different oh, yeah. way to and, raise and, money. and a marvel brilliant idea <laughs> i love that marvel brilliant is that what she says yeah, i thought it was rather brilliant. I, i'm sure she said marvel brilliant well she she has a cracking idea and she turns up with a piggy bank that her mm. father told her one day she could open it and buy a castle <laughs> yeah Oh dear. Yeah, and then Hugo turns up as well with some ideas of his With own. another idea, yeah. Oh, yeah, the other idea, which is that they know Richard Branson and he could possibly sponsor mm. it. But I love Hugo's reasoning, which is, well, uh, Richard Branson has a beard, Jesus has a beard, and his company is called Virgin, and Jesus' mum was, you know. Classic Hugo reasoning. Yes. So they count up the money from the piggy bank and it comes up to a farthing, doesn't it? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, but then Jerry says about, well, Hugh has had quite a good idea. There are, mm. Your dad's probably got lots of uh, very rich friends. Let's give them a call. And... Uh... The call does not go well. <laughs> no. You explain the call, Jerry. Well... It's actually really cleverly done because Geraldine rings David and we get to hear his answer firsthand, which Alice and Hugo don't. They're all excitedly sitting on the sofa waiting to hear the outcome. And when Geraldine asks, David is quick to respond, an absolute and final no. What an immature way to go about fundraising, ringing his richest friends. It's a clear, clear no. But Geraldine, <laughs> the answer she gives to Hugo and Alice is, oh, what a generous, uh, generous response, David. Thank you very much. Goodbye. And then she says to Hugo, actually, he says he's a little bit busy. So if you could give me the numbers, that'd be great. 
So I guess this brings us on then to the question is if you were, if you and your PCC were raising 11,000 or probably more like 15, 16,000 pounds in today's money, maybe even more mm-hmm. for your church window, would you try and find the richest person in your congregation to ask if you could have all of their rich friends numbers so you could ring round and ask them for money? A yay or a nay? <laughs> Still, there's, there's some moral... <laughs> corruptness in that <laughs> well no not not initially it's later on some of the decisions jerry makes initially yes. actually is a very common mm. thing to see well let's just see if some of the people who have the money in the village would be willing to help us maybe they know mm. someone who likes to give money to this sort of thing those people exist and you do that alongside match funding and other fundraising events. You wouldn't go to them for the full £11,000 or whatever it would be today. Mm. You'd be quite likely to go and ask grant bodies today, wouldn't yes. you? And, and That's true. Say, depending on the age of your church, there'll be people mm. who want to give money to those specific things. I mean, I think it's quite different in my context here, the church I go to. Um, there's not a lot of people with money around mm. uh, at all. And uh, so it would definitely be a combined effort. I'm not sure we'd know many millionaires here, mm. but I think we'd probably go for more sponsorship, which is something that the church is trying to work out at the moment because there are lots of holes and leaks and all that mm. kind of wonderful mm. thing. Whereas in contrast for one of my churches, which is in one of the more prosperous villages, it was actually said at a fundraising um, meeting about um, the uh, reordering, the developments that we want to do to a building, it was actually said, do we know anyone who is rather well off and might be invited to donate? Mm. Mm. So it's d- different communities. So Geraldine starts making her calls, but they mm. don't really go well as she <laughs> tells them that she's calling on behalf of a church. Yeah. I can shove it I up can... my... I can shove it up my wear, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> shove it up my jacksie. Thank you. And then Jerry signs off with what I feel is a really classic Christian thing to say. And I have such memories of Jenny saying this. Um, I think particularly after we watched Sister Act and Jenny, you would say this with such joy and abandon. I think you really loved it. So what, what does Jerry say as a sign off? She says... Um, bless you at the end in a very polite and dignified way but i think the sister act bless you is more like bless you yeah and, and what does what does bless you mean um in this context jenny <laughs> i think the word blessing and bless is replaced for a, a rather a rather a quite an aggressive a swear word actually quite a rude <laughs> word indeed i was very tempted to use the uh bless you uh, yesterday when I'd put a tweet out about something and then someone had replied to it and said, mm. no, it's not referring to that, thou foolish woman. Mm. And, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> was tempted but do you know to what, actually... Bless you. I, do you know, I actually think that saying bless you is actually a good way. Now, I really mm. take blessing seriously. Like, it's a big part of what we do, isn't it? Mm. But I actually think... I think... Um, in fact someone was telling me the story the other day of someone even just being in a shop who was really shirty, really cruel being cruel to their partner about something and huffing and puffing and making them feel so uncomfortable and she just looked at him and said the Lord be with you and then mm. hurried and then like did what they needed to do and left and I thought actually there's something really lovely about even in those times where we feel like pushed or angry or someone's obviously being like aggressive or 
outrageous mm. to be like, you know what, bless you, or like, God be with you. But mm. I get that it can sound super like patronising as well. But yeah. I think if it's oh, if it's genuinely offered, then it's mm. yeah, beautiful way to counter someone's aggression. It's a nice reminder aggression. to the self to say mm. actually, this person's annoying me, but I will bless them because God loves them. Mm. And it does d- does diffuse some of the anger or hurt that we yeah. feel as mm. we say it. Yeah. In the words Although, of Michelle Obama, yeah. when they go low, we go high. Mm. Oh, queen. Mm. But Jerry's tactic approaching him as a vicar doesn't really work. So she does no. decide to, what she calls, fib a little bit. Which, um, in my books, is a financial fraud or white-collar crime. <laughs> but she does ask Jesus' permission, so does that, that count? <laughs> she looks at Jesus and then goes, I'm going to have to fib a little bit. <laughs> but the conversation goes well, though. Oh, yeah, it makes up something about yeah. Dibley Investments. And it's mm-hmm. her way to just kind of get her foot in the door yeah. and have a meeting um, and... Yeah, that's how she talks to Mr. Daniel Frobisher. Mm. Yeah, so is our maybe love interest this episode? There's definitely a lot of flirting going on. He is wearing classic, stereotypical, early 90s, late 80s financial attire with his blue-striped shirt and his red braces. He is a finance business type. And my goodness, we're flirting between the two of them. Mm. Daniel does do the thing that really annoys me and things that we should not teach children, uh, that David, who is teasing Mm. and saying nasty things about Geraldine, probably fancies her, which is just wrong. That's not how we should explain it to children. No, and then like the whole thing about, oh, she might be a virgin, just think about that, which is, um, oh, like... We, we talked about this in episode two and just the kind of obsession people have with Vicar's chastity. But then Geraldine goes on a whole thing about um, how what an amazing kisser she is. <laughs> Scrambling eggs with oh, a tongue. Oh gosh, <laughs> and, I, it makes me cringe. And it really, like, that lodges in Daniel's mind. He, like, yeah. he loses his chain of thought because he just can't stop <laughs> thinking about how Vicar kissing him. <laughs> I think, yeah, or maybe more about the tongue itself. About the tongue itself, yeah. (gasps) I've just got a memory. You know how we talked, was it last episode or a couple of episodes ago? I think it was in episode three, perhaps, where we talked about the rage bomb that was lit for us when Um, we were invited to use our sexuality to bring people to church. It was episode two. Mm -hmm. And now here we have a fine example of how that may... Actually, <gasps> in this case, win the day. Yeah. Well, it does. Yeah, well, it absolutely does. And also the, the big contrast between um, Jerry flirting with Daniel versus how she flirted with Tristan. Because um, I know I, I used the word innocent quite a lot um, in episode two when I was talking about Jer- Jerry's flirtation with Tristan. It was just so cute and embarrassing. But this is raunchy flirting. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, and the the phone conversation ends mm-hmm. with something I find so rage-inducing in TVs and films, where they say they're going to be, and they don't 
planet. I don't give no, a time no. or anything like that. <laughs> I didn't just, notice. I'll give you an hour on Thursday lunch. And she's like, great, I can fit you in. Bye. Where? <laughs> <laughs> you, you've not planned any of this. <laughs> didn't even notice. That's hilarious. Also, Oxford and, to London for Thursday lunch. Yeah. Uh, I mean, oh, anyway. It rages. <laughs> Jerry's got her approach to how she might raise some money and we see Owen and Hugo going about their approach to raise some money where they're selling lottery tickets to uh, get hold of a lawnmower is the grand prize and then when people aren't interested in lawnmowers they just say oh I can give you a washing machine instead and then they rip up the ticket and the bloke oh, wants a washing machine because they've not got one of those so it's quite a different approach to fundraising and then we go back to Jerry and her plan to uh, get some money out of Daniel. Yeah, she turns up to his London office looking tray cute. Very mm. beautiful, complete bombshell. I was envious of her immaculate vicar fashion. Mm-hmm. She looked wonderful, professional, gorgeous. I could sing her praises all day. Aww. Yeah, It was very cringe-worthy reveal for Daniel, though. Yes, <laughs> Daniel, who's uh, talking about the getting a young lady over and don't be disgusting on the phone. And uh, yes, his appointment arrives, he turns around and oh gosh, it's the vicar. Mm. <laughs> but you know what? I appreciate uh, actually that. I mean, I, I talked a little bit about how Jerry's approach felt a bit like financial fraud here um, in her initial calls. But actually it was just to get her foot in the door and she is completely mm. open when she arrives. So actually she's a vicar and this mm. is about the stained glass. And she does temper also that he might actually say no. So she says mm. blah, 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 about the lunch. She's like, if it's still on. So she knows yeah. that she's pulled a bit of a fast one, doesn't she? And she gives him room to say, actually, yeah. you know, I'm out at this stage. And she does continue the banter, actually. She continues mm. that flirting and to kind of, I think, emphasise that nothing's really changed. She's just, she's the same person. Um, she's a, She established a rapport and she's continuing that. Um, and she, but she starts fining him for every time he <laughs> says God or Jesus or swears, which... Um, She's got a swear jar. This is an anxiety people definitely have in coming to contact with yes. There's a number of people who apologise to me for their language. And I'm maybe a little bit annoyed, as much as it's funny, a little bit annoyed at Jerry for perpetuating this. And yeah. dear listener... Please do not think that I am going to find you a thousand quid every time you take the Lord's name in vain. <laughs> but it would help with the roof fund. It would help with the roof fund. <laughs> do you find that if you're in places where people are just chatting to you normally and they might be swearing or just chatting about more lewd things or anything like that, then they find out you're a vicar, they suddenly apologise for everything that they've said and, <laughs> and avoid swearing and say, sorry, vicar after every time and I always say you know doesn't matter you know mm. I've heard worse I've probably said worse yeah <laughs> I, do, I do think the dog collar is still quite intimidating for people mm. in lots of ways I've never thought of myself as a particularly intimidating person um, <laughs> but the the black and the collar suddenly gives you a bit of an authority doesn't it mm. and people know you as the god person and therefore they shouldn't swear in front of you and mm. all this sort of stuff yeah. Any thoughts, Ginny? I mean, I think, yes, I'm in two minds. Sometimes I meet people 
who don't know what the collar symbolises at all. And so mm. I think there's this divide about people who go, oh my gosh, I have to unwrap my scarf, reveal the collar. And people are like, oh my gosh, it's a vicar. <laughs> and like you say, do the whole, oh, I'm so sorry, or I know I shouldn't say this, but, and then like mm. go proceed to say something, you know, mildly rude. Um, but for some people, they'll be like, oh, what do you do? And I say, I work for the church. Like, I remember when I went to school, like loads of the children didn't know that the collar was my uniform or what it meant and I wonder if like for you know people that have been around a little bit longer they're very used to it and it can either be a oh there's a safe person they're a minister of religion or it can be oh no like steer clear Um, or it can be a threat or for some people they literally just don't have any connection to realizing it's a uniform or what it means that which really surprises me actually but that's I guess because it's my whole world or sometimes yeah. people see, with me, people see that I'm young and female and that's what they see rather than the colour. Yeah. So And it's not until I point it out that they suddenly notice it because they're not expecting to see it. Mm. Have you ever had abuse held at you when you're in your uniform? No. 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 Luckily, not, no. not yet. Me and Toby were walking down once. Toby, um, uh, my uh, other half, who is also in a dog collar, we were walking down once and we were uh, wearing our vicar uniform and someone wound down the window and shouted out pedo vicar at us. <laughs> which, oh my gosh. Sorry, which I shouldn't is... laugh. That's awful. Because cause I know you and yeah. like, your husband so well that I'm like, how... Yeah. That's terrible. Wait. Yeah, which I can I completely understand why someone might throw that abuse at us <sighs> because mm. the church has not done well for itself and has messed up and bulged mm. up so many times with mm. regards to safeguarding and I can understand people's anger yeah. about that although it's not always nice to have pedo vicar yelled oh at you my gosh yeah, no that's terrifying unfortunately that sort of abuse tends to be aimed mostly at our male and male presenting colleagues yeah. Yeah. Um, which is really sad because just because you're male doesn't make you more likely to yeah. be a sex offender um, or to be more abusive, but female clergy are seen as safer, perhaps, less intimidating. Yeah. I don't know, but it, it's... I mean, we talk a lot about kind of the difficulties of being a female minister, um, but I think we really do need to recognise just how much of that abuse is faced by our male and male mm. presenting colleagues. Yeah, as well, mm. definitely, yeah. Mm. Oh. That's a bit of a downer. Yes. <laughs> so we go but, to parish council. Wait, just before yes. that, the, the meeting with Daniel just tails off with one comment which mystifies me, which is um, Jerry talking about taking Daniel to go and see the church. Yeah. Which is in Oxfordshire. And they're in <laughs> London for a lunch hour. Maybe it's a long lunch. <laughs> Or maybe she shows him on her iPad. Maybe we whisk forward a few years and she's got some sort of technology. <laughs> Just some photos. With some... Printed photos. Yeah. 94, yeah. Mm. Oh, that might be it. Actually, it might be photos that she, she takes and shows as opposed to going to the physical building. Although I, I, I do really want to know now how long it would take to get to central London. Yeah. <laughs> central London from... to Oxford. Yeah, for, we'll say from Oxford. Fair, assuming... Not very long. Not too long, I wouldn't have thought. Unless, well, did she drive? Did she get the train? Guys, I'm not sure this is good content. No, but I want to know. <laughs> my question, I mean, my question, not yours. 
so we move on to the council meeting and Jim is describing how he's had some difficult dealings with some customers recently <laughs> and trying to get them off his land. And it turns out Jim's been arguing with sheep. It's <laughs> <laughs> such a good scene. Yeah, it's um, brilliant. And then they discussed their financial um, successes so yes. far. And Owen has raised a thousand quid with the village lottery. And I was really impressed by that. Yeah. I thought they've done really, really well. Five pound a pop for each ticket, but it's 200 tickets sold. Yeah. Mrs. Cropley, however, has struggled a bit with her recipe book. Um, uh, well, no, she hasn't. That's no, Miss, and you know, Mrs. Cropley, I think I'd quite like to try radish jam. You know, <laughs> I know it sounds initially quite bad, but radish... Like pickled radish is quite nice, and um, I don't know, sweet <laughs> radish. I could see how it might not be as bad as it sounds. So uh, Mrs. Cropley is doing her recipe book, and then Geraldine just quietly says, "Well, oh yeah, I've got ten thousand pounds," <laughs> and everyone cheers, Yay. and it hooray because work on the window <laughs> can start instantly. Mm. Um, Although it probably wouldn't, wouldn't it? Because there's got to be faculties and all these other kind of boring church things yes. that have to go on. But before they get onto all of that, Geraldine goes and visits the local school to discuss windows and what kind mm. of design they might like. And my first question is, is why is Alice in charge of these children? <laughs> well, I noticed that the, um, the school meets in a village hall. Firstly, so it's a small school, um, small class, um, I guess. I mean, Alice did say she was the art teacher for the school. Yeah, she helps right. the teacher. Mm. So I'm guessing that <laughs> the teacher's just gone off for a cigarette break or something. Yeah. <laughs> it was and the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> so they're discussing what animals they might like in this image of Noah's Ark. Mm. And all the children want dinosaurs. <laughs> well, initially. Um, I, I wrote down the list of the animals that were suggested. Um, yeah. <clears throat> firstly, Velociraptor. Um, yeah. Every class has a George. Um, and George sets a ball rolling um, because he's been watching Jurassic Park. So our next yeah. suggestion is Tyrannosaurus Rex. Mm. I mean, obviously. Jerry puts her foot down. Um, it says no more dinosaurs. Um, Boo! So then we have um, a lovely precocious little girl. Says um, football hooligan, because her dad says that football hooligans are animals. Uh, Jerryman says, oh no, I mean like birds. How about any birds? And the same girl says, Samantha Fox, because her dad says she's a sexy bird. <laughs> so our list is a velociraptor, a T-Rex, football hooligan and Samantha Fox. <laughs> What animals would you put in this window? Let's keep the original list. Let's just build on it. What animals would yeah. you add to this window? <laughs> I wanted to see an elephant on that window. Mm -hmm. I mean, two. that's tradition, isn't it? Yeah, you've mm -hmm. got to have an elephant on the ark. Yeah, I'm I'm a traditional... Mm -hmm. I like the bit of tradition. Give me two elephants on the ark, see if you play. I think we should definitely have the nativity lobster. Oh, great oh. shout, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's a good one. I love squirrels. I'm a big fan of squirrels. Oh, yeah, uh, and so some squirrels, squirrels scampering mm. up the ark, I think, would be 
red ones, obviously. <laughs> yes, uh, would be marvelous to see. Um, mm, Got to have some hamsters just... as well. Sorry, hamsters. <laughs> <laughs> when you said scurrying, I was like, they need to be on board. Yeah, yeah. some guinea pigs. Yeah, oh, yeah. just a, Budgies. A, a small petting zoo. <laughs> small, small <laughs> animals. Yeah, that is yeah. my kind of arc. And I just love this whole conversation mm. because children are amazing and I love spending time with them in ministry and they come up with some of the most bonkers and the most wise things, mm. you know, one sentence after another. And it is one of my favourite bits of ministry is working with children and young people. Yeah. Mm. It's, it's classic church, a classic church thing to ask children from a local school to design something. Jenny, you've already talked yeah. about mm. the um, little stained glass panels um, that you've had made from your local school. And you go in and you say, let's design a Christmas card or let's design the new window or whatever. And it's just a lovely way to involve children in the building and giving them something where they can go and say, that's mine. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but despite children being amazing, they still say the awkward things, don't they? <laughs> of, uh, was it George again who says, my dad, I'd like to give you one, miss. Yes. <laughs> Jerry asks, who is your dad? Yeah. <laughs> George. George. <laughs> it's the pretend outrage and then the, the sudden very, very keen interest. I like that they call her miss as well. Like, yeah. Um, very back, yeah. Going round the school, um, we have a church school in my patch and going round and them learning what to call me um, and asking what I'd like to be called is, um, yeah, it's just really cute, you know? What do they call you? Um, they'll call me um, Reverend Caitlin or Reverend Kate because um, that's, I think the head, the head quite likes that. My predecessor was called Re- Reverend um, and then her name uh, yeah. as well. Mm. Although they did call me by my predecessor's name for a little bit. Oh, no. oh, bless. Mm. What about you, Jenny? Do you have much interactions with schools? Yeah, so I get to go in. Um, our local primary school isn't Church of England, so they have they really well balance different faith um, people or perspectives kind of going in. Um, but yeah, I get to go in and sometimes do talks on the church or community or weddings and baptisms, that kind of thing. And then the school will sometimes come to me at church as well and do like a harvest, um, sort of show or, you know, things for Christmas. So we, yeah, we're trying to build up links cause it's so important. Um, but I think, yeah, when it's formal, it's like Reverend Rev Jenny or Reverend Jenny. Um, but really, I'm quite keen that they call me Jenny. And I think it's good mm. that they know, like, there is a title there. But I really, I, lo- I love that they know me by my familiar name, mm. if that makes sense. Um, yeah. But, yeah. yeah. I think that's quite a good one, because at most primary schools, they'll be mm. referring to their teacher as Miss or Mrs yeah. or Mr or whatever it might be. And then a surname, um, so that formality isn't completely alien to children. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I make yeah. a point of saying I'm a, I'm really happy for people to call me Kate around the parish. Um, yeah. it's who I am, and yeah, um, I've, I mean, we had that actually earlier with Jerry um, clarifying for Daniel as well. What to call her? Just yeah. call me Jerry. Yeah, people get so yeah. mixed up with that, don't they? They don't know what to. Especially when you're a woman and they, mm. they're used to saying father 
referring to a male priest it's like oh could i call you father <laughs> oh do i call you do i call you mother uh, which yeah. call me mother has taken on some very different um implications uh <laughs> culturally um which i love i love absolutely um yeah or i mean some female clergy will be called father they're happy to call father i once got addressed when i was training someone called me mother to be which oh i'd rather no one ever called me that (laughs) (laughs) unless it was true (laughs) um do you ever get called lady vicar or lady priest Um, sometimes Yeah, like not as kind of like formally introducing, yeah. but uh, yeah. You're the lady vicar. I think you're a lady vicar. Yeah, definitely. It's the other, it's a sort of the thing that maybe parishioners mm. would use to talk about another female vicar. So to yeah. differentiate, mm. I suppose more less like oh here's our lady vicar, although maybe yeah. occasionally, no. but it's more like oh you know the lady vicar down the road sort of thing. I uh, know I've definitely been asked oh you're you're the new lady vicar. Um, my favourite oh, yeah. is you're a, you're a lady clergyman. <laughs> I absolutely love love that one. Um, I got lady priestess once. Lady that priestess. Was, um, Felt like it was wow. a role playing game. It was great. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then said, just call me Kate. I'm just a vicar. So we hear the opinions of the children and what they want as part of the window. And then next we move to the vicarage. Uh, where Geraldine is sat drinking wine and eating Ferrero Rocher uh, in her PJs, and that's the dream. Why does she not lock the door? No, the door knocks and she says, come in. Right, no. (laughs) Your wine and Ferrero Rocher time. You're in your PJs. Yes. Hugo comes in and joins Jerry on the sofa, and they start Mm -hmm. watching the news and it's the news about the earthquake that had happened in Colombia. And Geraldine, bless her, starts crying um, because it is horrifically sad what they're reporting on. And um, uh, Hugo decides to leave her alone and just adds that he wanted to put in a little punt for a a velociraptor (laughs) in the window. And we see Geraldine doing a bit of soul searching Mm -hmm. And then the TV says, if you've got any donations, here is where you need to contact. Mm. Hugo bids his farewells after putting in his bid for the Velociraptor. And he says, live long and prosper while making Spock's salute from Star Trek, which interestingly enough is based on a rabbinic blessing. Ah, what do you mean by rabbinic blessing? Yes, so Leonard Nimoy, the actor who played Spock, was himself Jewish. Um, rabbinic comes from the word rabbi, so it means a rabbi's blessing. Um, the hand sign is actually half of if you duplicate it with the other hand, um, and it's the hand sign which um, is associated with a particular blessing given by a rabbi. And um, mm. Leonard Nimoy thought, that's nice, I'm going to sneak that little bit of my faith in to Star Trek. Ah, so all those nerds at Comic-Con are uh, actually giving half a rabbinic blessing. I see Jenny trying to work it out on a camera. (laughs) They're blessing, people. It's lovely. I I just love it. It's a blessing. Yeah. Next, we cut to the churchyard and we are hearing rumours that the window is going to be Jurassic Park themed. (laughs) (laughs) And, I mean... 
Letitia Cropley, our bisexual queen, enjoying the prospect of a topless Samantha Fox in the window. <laughs> Which just goes to show how quickly rumours spread, I think, yes. especially in yeah. rural life, that mm. you hear a vague rumour about dinosaurs being in the window and Samantha Fox being part of the window as well. And uh, then it's just taken as gospel that that's, that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, but... We then go into the church to have the grand unveiling of the window, Mm. which gets done very quickly. It does. So the window is covered up with a curtain Mm. and it's unveiled and it is plain glass and shows the beautiful sunset (laughs) that's happening Mm. over Dibley. And I really love what Owen says Mm. about it. Owen says, bloody marvellous. I mean, when it comes to it, you can't beat God's own creation, can you? Yeah, Amen. that's lovely. Amen. Do you know what? That that image is so beautiful that mm. when I was younger and watched The Vicar of Dibley, I didn't get that that wasn't stained glass because it's so mm. beautiful. I thought that it was stained glass. Yeah. So I oh. totally didn't get the ending of the <laughs> show at all. Um, but it's only when I got older, oh, I was like, Jenny. oh, that's meant to be what the actual village looks like. It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah it is an absolutely stunning window would show all the different seasons so beautifully through it. Um, Definitely. And what I love as well is that everyone is instantly in agreement. It's not like yeah. there's no disappointment, even though I know that, that Jerry, like pastorally, mm. she cares and covers for that well, but mm. everyone's like, yeah, bravo, that is just perfect. Yeah, Including yeah. Daniel choice. himself, which is lucky. Yeah and, yeah, and David says he always thought it was his fav- favourite view in the village. Yeah, it's really mm-hmm. lovely. And it... <laughs> It's revealed that the total cost of it was about 500 quid (laughs) (laughs) instead of the 11,000 raised. So that's 10,500 heading off to the earthquake appeal from the people of Dibley. Which is really the church family getting it right, isn't it, when it comes to... And I know that could be up for debate in terms of some stained glass and stuff. It can't always be that simple, but when you're thinking about giving and giving well Mm. and living out of God's generosity, like this Mm. is what it looks like when the church does money and giving well, I think. Yeah, Um, definitely. Yeah. Except my my only caveat is Jerry doing it without their permission or their knowledge. Um, For me, if they hadn't received it well, that could have mm. caused a lot of hot water. Oh, she'd be in big trouble. She would be in such big trouble. <laughs> it's a risky, it was a risky move, yeah. So we are I very... guess in real life, yeah, yeah, probably would be a bit too risky, but... So we are very lucky that she is able to diffuse things with Daniel with a little bit more flirting and banter and a little wink in the eye. Um, yeah. And I don't know Ooh. about you, but I am honestly 100% convinced that um, Jerry snogs Daniel after <gasps> this. What? <laughs> that is a really massive claim to make. I wasn't ready for it. You took my breath away. No, I just... I was not ready for that. I think, like, I don't... I didn't pick up that she's romantically interested in him, but I... What? I just think that she, she, she wants to snog him, and she does. I don't think that at all. <laughs> but I love that you do. It's like your I mean, ongoing fanfic mind, which is a beautiful, beautiful, <laughs> powerful thing. No, I, I think that's um. What do you call it when you're like 
we brandish her reputation with like snogging all the rich guys. I'm not tarnishing it. I'm just I'm letting her enjoy her sexuality. And well, do you we, think, we, okay, we that, know that, that she will likes to snog. It will yeah. come, but I think it she's allowed go, yeah. to be attracted to men and have a snog if she's attracted to them. She did it. <laughs> I think what Geraldine really shows in this episode is that she is a priest and a person and a friend to all people, whether you are a rich, privately educated, you know, whether like it doesn't matter what kind of uh how you vote because obviously we've got david and daniel who are you know really flying the flag of privately educated very wealthy conservative you know politically as well as the jim trots of life who you know are just loving rural life love their community you know haven't got a lot she's she's someone that can get on with her and like alice is her best friend who likes to sing songs when the wind is blowing i feel like for me what she shows about this banter with Daniel at the end especially is that she is like a friend and a priest and a person to all. And I think mm. I think that feeds back something, Kate, that you said in a previous episode mm. about actually the calling of a vicar, the calling of a priest, is to love her people and to shepherd them and to befriend mm. them and to ride God's beautiful ups and downs, you know, you know what God has in store for us, like, together. Um, so that's, that's a really yeah. long-winded way of going, I don't think she snogged him, but she <laughs> might have done. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Vickers Watch Dibley. Thank you to Toby for editing our run. Any views expressed in this podcast are our own and don't necessarily represent those of the Church of England or any other organisations with which we are affiliated. And as always, bless you for listening. What do you call a parade of rabbits hopping backwards? (laughs) I don't know. What do you call Um, a parade of rabbits hopping backwards? A receding hairline. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Why do they have to be hopping?